Welcome to the Crazy Ag Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Teddy. No matter where you are, thanks for making this part of your day. Thanks for taking a listen. Follow me on social media at Crazy Ike Fan on Instagram and on Twitter. Crazy Ike Fan Facebook page. How are all my see this doing out there? I apologize, guys. It's been a little while. <clears throat> it's been about a week and a half since I've recorded an episode. So let's get right to everything. First, a word from one of our new sponsors. So we'll listen to that first, and then we'll continue with the podcast. Καλωσορίσατε στο Crazy Ike Fan FM. Εδώ ένα αφηρεμένο τραγούδι στους φίλους του Ολυμπιακός Αθλητικός Όμιλος Σύνδεσμος Φιλάθων Πυραιός. Ένα τραγούδι, ένα καλό, ένα παλιό αλλά καλό, του Λάμπη Λιβυράτου. Βασάνι σου, βασάνι σου, όπως έστρωσες κοιμήσου, τώρα ήρθε η σειρά η δίκη σου. Αυτό ήταν ένα τραγούδι αφιερωμένο στους σύνδεσμο Ολυμπιακών Φιλάνθρων Πυραιός, however the hell you say it, μέγας χωρικός. Κρασί Μαλαμαντίνα, η καλύτερη ρετσίνα της Βόρειας Ελλάδος, φτιαγμένο από φρέσκα δάκρυα των παοκτήτων. Μαλαμαντίνα, να πείτε για την πίκρα σας. Ένα wine για τους winos, από το Βορρά, από το Βορρά. Anyway guys, hope everyone's doing well. What a week for Ike so far. Getting a 3-1 win in Piraz, first time in five years, first time since... Uh, Tolukumaki to Yakumaki since the championship year, and really that was the win that really propelled Ike to the championship, in my opinion. That was considered one of the biggest wins of, I don't know, uh, the last few years for, for Ike back then. Now I think this 3-1 victory in Piraz again was a massive win. Uh, of course, back then, Olympiacos were in a little bit better shape than they are today. Uh, I think it was a tougher game. Um... But I'll get into that, of course. The 4-0 victory midweek yesterday, as I'm recording on Thursday, against Bauk, just dominating performance. I'll get into it. Let's start from a little bit of news, and let me take it back because I didn't get to discuss this. Uh, I didn't even tweet about it to explain myself. So Ike Basketball bow out out of the Basketball Champions League. Um... Very tough game three. I don't even remember if I discussed game two. Game two, Ike was able to blow blow out um, Jerusalem in uh, in Anulosha, but amongst a few episodia happened. Um, some things took place with Ike fans where it caused the BCL to come down really hard on Ike and gave them a, a basically a ban for all home games for next season of the BCL, the regular season which is going to be very tough for Ike. And very sad, too, because I feel like this year, especially with a few key matchups that we've had with Hapoel um, and some other European matchups and some key Greek League matchups, fans started to show up to the stadium. It was creating a very nice atmosphere, so it sucks that we're not going to have any fans there for the home games to begin the regular season next year, the BCL, to make matters worse in Game 3. I mean, Ike really paid for two really bad quarters. The first quarter in game one and the first quarter in game three really cost Ike to get behind that much. Now I get it. I know Ike has submitted a complaint to the BCL and to FIBA because of everything that happened outside of the 
this uh, this match in Jerusalem, the uh, Hopwell fans showing up in the middle of the night at the hotel where Ike were staying, all that stuff. And I totally get that, but Ike didn't show up to help herself in this uh, Game 3 matchup. Um, it was a terrible first quarter that I just couldn't get get past it. Um, Hopwell was letting Ike... would. Honestly, if we had better, a little bit better shooting, if somebody had caught fire that night, I think we could have seen a better outcome. But for me, honestly, and I feel like for most of you that follow the BCL and follow like basketball, less than 24 hours before that, I think uh, the B- FIBA BCL, Basketball Champions League, how they do their uh, Final Four is they come up with the host city. And I don't know why they do this. Literally, like, weeks before, like, right before the Final Four, teams are set. So, Jerusalem was chosen as the site of this year's BCL Final Four. I mean, look, I'm not going to be sit here and be a conspiracy theorist and say that if the game was closer, maybe some calls would not have gone Ike's way. Maybe, like, maybe they would have pushed Jerusalem. But let's just, I got to call a spade a spade, right? You're a, a league that's overall kind of struggling to compete with the Euro League, for example. You don't have the money, the resources that the Euro League does, let's be honest. Even though you're a FIBA-sponsored competition, you don't have... You have some brand names in this league, but you don't have the big brand names of European basketball. So... Are you going to really have the host city who's so close to a Final Four not have a team in this competition? Um, nah, you know, you guys can read between the lines. Like I said, I'm not going to talk conspiracy theories, but hearing that in the morning before that match had already left me with such a sour taste in my mouth where I'm like, we have no chance winning this match, honestly. That's how I felt. That's why I didn't tweet about this match very much. Uh, great atmosphere by the Hopwell fans. I'll give them that. Um, it was a very intense atmosphere. I don't think I were intimidated by the atmosphere. I think we just didn't go in it with a clear head for a lot of different reasons. I didn't play well. Like I said, first quarter, they were already down big. And just trying to play catch up. And then when you were given opportunities by Hopwell to come back into the game... You just didn't take those opportunities. You missed shots. I really think the absence of Strelnex really hurt Ike. I think it's hurting Ike right now in the in the basket league, in, back home in Greece, in the playoffs. Uh, you know, we could really use that veteran leadership of someone to either calm the team down or hit some big shots. Uh, just to, you know, a bittersweet season. We've seen Ike play good basketball and keep up with teams that had double and triple their budgets. And, but we've also seen very, very bad results. Like I said, from the beginning of the season, guys, my issue with Ike basketball is the same thing. It's been the past few years, this major turnover in roster every year. Uh, I think Marcus Angelopoulos is doing the best that he can. I'm not putting the blame on the organization itself. It's just hard to build any type of continuity between players, any type of core of players to have a good team for the next year. Now, basketball, as I've said before, is a different animal from football. All it takes is a few players and 
you can put a decent product out there, but still to put a team that you're going to want to contend in Europe, that you're going to want to contend in the Greek Cup, that you're going to... It's very hard to contend against the two uh, big rivals in basketball in Greece with Panathinaikos and Olympiakos because of that, they get that EuroLeague money every year. But at least to build a team that's going to at least push them to some type of limits or at least, like I've said before, have an upset in the Greek Cup or something. Um, but, you know, at least Marcus Angelopoulos is trying the best he can. The fans showed up this year. Let's hope that next year brings better things. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I read somewhere that we're able to re-sign Akil Mitchell, which is big. He was a big-time player for us. Maybe if we can keep him, some other key core players in this group. They were starting to play very good defense. They played good defense against Hopwell Jerusalem. I think it was poor offense, poor shooting, a bad decision-making at times by some of our guards. Too many turnovers that really cost us a chance to go to the Final Four, the BCL, and compete for a European trophy. Um, but let's hope this season builds on to something next year. Uh, I don't see them having much luck in the in the Greek League. I, just a little while ago, I saw they were losing to Pristeti again. Um, I think this is the Greek playoffs. I'm not sure because, like I've said before, I don't keep up with the basketball league that much because I just know, like, there's no chance of us really up. I mean, you're not. Olympiakos is going for a EuroLeague title this year. They're the best team in the EuroLeague in the regular season. And uh, hopefully, as a Greek fan, and I don't want to get crushed for saying this, I hope they do well, you know, whatever. Um, so I haven't really followed that much in the Greek League. So I don't know if the first round is best out of five or best out of three. Hopefully it's best out of five because if it's best out of three, this looks like it's going to be our second straight loss to Pity Steady and we're going to be out already of the Greek League playoffs. But I could be wrong, so don't quote me on this. Um, anyway, let's move on to football where the joy just keeps on adding up. Uh, first, I want to touch on some news and notes. Um, Araujo, I mentioned in the last podcast, had a knee injury. We were hoping he was going to be able to be back. Well, things took a turn for the worse, and he has, uh, along with a couple of other problems in his knee, he has a torn meniscus and is going to be out for a minimum of five months. They, they're saying four months, but most likely it's going to be five to six months, unfortunately. Uh, we wish the captain all the best, speedy recovery. Um, just a bad injury he had in the Addis game where he just knocked his knee against the goalpost in the second minute. And, you know, be, they're saying because of adrenaline flow and he was able to keep going, which actually might have damaged it even more, you know, for, at least if it was really painful and he was able to come out right at the second minute, right when it happened, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe he wouldn't have injured it further. That's all hearsay. You know, I mean, I wish him a speedy recovery and we're going to miss him. He, he's, uh, he's a big part of this team, both from a player standpoint, a locker room standpoint, and just, uh, has embraced the whole culture of the club and has been a terrific captain this year for the club. And we wish him a speedy recovery, as I said. Uh, Simonski signs a new contract till 2027, big part of Ike, you know, the, especially the past month or so, he's been a monster in the midfield, great defensive midfielder, a signing that we needed, a player that we really needed to re-sign for next season. His contract didn't run out to 2024, but it's great that we're getting these players signed on this early. There were talks about his contract extension going in at, in January, 
thank goodness it was able to get done. Also, there are talks that uh, we're in contract signings with uh, extensions with Khadzi Safi and Muhammadi, two great players, in my opinion, two players that last year you were kind of like, can we move on from these guys and find another answer at left back? But Khadzi Safi, I mean, for me, he has been the workhorse of like the past month. Um, the only thing that I'm hoping for is that really, dude, this Sunday, if a ball comes in the area and you're defending, keep your hands down. I don't care if a tornado is coming your way. Keep your, for God's sakes, keep your hands down when you're playing against Panathinaikos this weekend. We'll get more into that later. Uh, Mohamadi, again, is kind of injured. I He started full training this week, so they're saying he will be available for the Panathinaikos game, which is a good sign. You know, Hadzi Safi, he's not that old. You know, I... People were talking about, should we really re-sign him? Um, he's 31 going on 32, which I know in football years, you're getting up there, but it, at least it's not 34, 35, you know, north of 35. And he still shows that he can play and has had a, a tremendous impact on this club. Like I said, over the past month, he's been so consistent. One of Ike's best players um, over this playoff run they're, in, they're on. So good stuff there. Initial talks with Pineda and Celta have started. Celta de Vigo in Spain, the team that he's on loan from. Now, there were reports that Celta are asking um, 12.5 million, which is a lot of money to pay for the player. I think that'll eventually come, come down. Uh, hopefully I can purchase him or hopefully he can convince Celta. I, I think he's really embraced the culture at Ike. I think he loves being there. Uh, we have the promise of some European football, you know, with Olympiacos losing the Addis yesterday, we've at least clinched second place, which means we're going to go into Champions League qualifiers, which is huge because you're going to at least be able to say to this player, like, we're going to be playing European football. And if we're able to be champions, that's even bigger because we're going to be able to tell this player that you're going to be, play, at bare minimum, you're going to be able to play in the conference league. Because, guys, whoever finishes first, yes, they go to the Champions League qualifiers and they go, you know, if you don't, if you don't qualify for Champions League, you drop down to Europa League. If you don't qualify for to make it into the group stage of the Europa League, you automatically get into the group stage of the Euro uh, European or Europa Conference League. Sorry, all this Europa. Europe. I grew up with it being totally different. I still call it the UEFA Cup, even though it's the Europa League for me. For me, being an old timer, it was always known as the UEFA Cup. So. It kind of gets all confusing when you add Europe to freaking everything. Um, and that's very important. That's very key because, as you can see now, those of you that are following, on, on the outside look, looking in on what's going on with the back and their, their search for a manager, they're having a really tough time getting a manager because, really tough time getting a manager simply because uh, they're not guaranteed European football for next year. And everybody, you know, that, that you want to you want to play at this level wants some type of European football. So I think hopefully things can continue with Bineda. Someone really brought up a good point the other day that Bineda, one reason why he hasn't made that next level jump yet, and maybe that's why teams aren't going after him. Bigger clubs, 
because he gives up the ball too easily in the midfield. As we saw, it was the initial mistake that led to the Olympiacos goal the other day uh, when Olympiacos was able to tie it 1-1. Um, and we've seen that a couple times from Pineda this season with all the great things that he can offer. I mean, he has been uh, a, such a big part of what I have been able to do this season and a tremendous talent, especially for in, in Greece. Um, I'm hoping his price is going to come down to where we can afford him. Maybe, you know, obviously he fits into Almeida's system. Almeida knows him. He knows the team now. So even if we were able to do it late in the summer, if by somehow, even though I know this is like a very long stretch, if somehow we're able to sneak into the Champions League or Europa League to where you're able to get that next level money and use some of that money to be able to bring him in, uh, and then he's also so young and new to Europe. If he can fix some of those issues that would let him be able to go beyond Dyke and take that next level step up to a quote-unquote bigger European side, um, then you can make your money back selling him again, you know, next summer or the summer after. Uh, but let's see what happens. You know, like I said, talks are in the initial phases. What I'm going to do today is just basically go over both of the games, how I saw the games point out things i'm going to try to get this through this as fast as possible guys i promise and then preview a little bit of the massive athenian derby coming up between panathinaikos and ike in Foros. but we'll get to that here in a second so as i said before i could beat olibiakos 3-1 or 1-3 in falido uh a match that was a, i was a little worried about of course as i said before five years in the making it's been five years since we've been able to beat olibiakos in in uh, Kareskaki, uh, team's effort was phenomenal. Now, full disclosure, I've seen bits and pieces of this match. I didn't watch it live. I listened to it on the radio, and then I was able to catch it on some replays this week. I haven't seen all of it. Uh, didn't watch much of the first half, but from what I've heard from other Ike fans and what I heard on the radio, that we played phenomenal in the first half. It really should have been 2 3 nil in the first half and my anxiety level, even though we were able to score, um, my anxiety level was kind of up a little bit because, you know, I could see what, what was going to happen. And this has been the only troubling side of this team is they create so many chances. And when you don't take advantage of those chances, football can punish you. Football is unforgiving, as we know, when you don't take your chances. So... But I heard this was one of the best halves that Ike had in the first half of, of, of the year. Uh, moving on to the second half, Olibiakos were able to equalize as many Ike defenders, starting with Pineda, gave the ball up too easy in the midfield. Uh, Tigatsinovic wasn't able to, um, to uh, go mark his man and Eira Tripla. Uh, the guy was able to get by him, and then uh, Rota wasn't able to clear out the ball. Uh, what's his name? Um, Anafasiades had a poor clearance from goal that led to Olibiakos. Um, Fortunis being able to center the ball back in, and Bakambu got in the end of it, and he's, you know, Bakambu's a killer in the air and able to put it away and, and tie the matchup at that point.
So Pakambu was able to tie the match, and then I said, here we go again. Here comes another match where we just didn't take advantage of our chances. This is going to finish 1-1. We're going to drop points before the derby, which I was already kind of prepared for that because I knew it would be a tough match for Ike to win in Garaskaki. Either way, I knew win, lose, or draw. We're going to have to go into a big match in Foros on Sunday, of course, with a win in Garaskaki, major confidence, and then you had a midweek match coming up against Pauk that could make things tricky at the time. So it was 1-1, and I was like, here we go. <laughs> so it was a little nerve-wracking that that happened. You know, listen, other teams score off defensive mistakes. There's no team in the world that doesn't commit some type of defensive mistake at some time, at some point. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a beautiful frustration. I know that sounds kind of like a whatever, um, like a negative positive or whatever. Um, it's a beautiful frustration that we create so many chances because we've also seen other years and other teams where they don't create this many chances. Now it is, it's beautiful to watch because it's very entertaining, but it's frustrating as a fan when that ball doesn't go back of the net. Um, and I thought this was going to be an issue where a match where we're going to pay for it. We did get lucky. I agree with some of the pundits in Greece that Olympiacos equalized early because I think Ike had time to react. If Olympiacos had equalized, let's say, the 80th minute, maybe things could have turned out differently, but that wasn't the case. Let's get on to some of the controversial calls. Now, all I heard... All week was Olympiacos fans crying about Simanski, how he should have had a second yellow. I kind of agree with that from what I saw, the little bit that I saw. But at the same time, Fortunis equally deserved a second yellow. The ref was not playing one side or the other. I do agree with this statement, though. The penalty was a little soft as to how the referee was calling the match because he was letting some players go at it. Which, honestly, guys, you watch a Premier League game, you watch a Serie A game, you watch a Bundesliga game, if they're not going to call this this BS that we call in Greece, where you barely nudge a player and flops all over the place or falls over, and you, you can automatically expect to get foul. Now, in the heat of the moment, this Sunday or any Sunday, am I going to say that? Or am I going to scream at my TV that it's a foul? Or am I going to get up off my seat in the stadium and say the ref is is blind? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and be a hypocrite and lie about that. But watching other leagues around the world, we're, we're kind of soft in Greece as it comes. Now, the way the game was being called, I think that the penalty was a penalty, but it was a little soft. Um for the way Senor Massa was calling the game. Let's get to Senor Massa. All week long, before this match, it was, bravo to Marinaki, congratulations to Marinaki, the president of the Super League, the president of, of Olympiacos, that's bringing in these elite refs, and he did this great job to bring in this guy. And Ike, on the other hand, were whining about this guy that they're bringing in because he's uh, refed some Olympiacos matches before where Olympiacos has had good uh, officiating go their, their way, blah, blah, blah. This, what's becoming the classical Greek BS that happens in our league, right? And then all of a sudden, it's this major issue uh, Sunday when things don't go Olympiacos' way. 
with Marinaki, with, we saw the zoo that happened in Karaiskaki. No offense to any Libeco's listeners or, or, or friends. I would be saying the same thing if, if, and I've said it before when stuff happens with hike fans. This is, this is unacceptable. First off, it's unacceptable if you want to consider yourself a modern European football country for your owner to be acting that way. Because if he had the Balakia, let me, let me see him go do that on Nottingham Forest sideline. The next day, he wouldn't own the club anymore if that was the case. Why does he feel like this desire to do this? Because he's passionate. And I don't like how... And listen, I'm not trying to attack Olympiacos fans, the organization. Look, I'm a fans fan. Anybody that's a fan of their club, mad respect. I don't care who you are. If you're a Gavro, Basilo, a Pauci, an Ariano, whoever you, what club you love. That's your right. That's your club. I'm with you. I'm willing to watch a match with anyone. Sit down and watch it with anyone from any club. I'm willing to talk to anyone from any club. So I don't want to be able to fans to take offense to this. But it seems like Marinaki and some of the high ups at Gate 7 have this kind of relationship where they feed off of each other to keep this propaganda thing going. Because what did we Ike fans do? Olympiacos is going through a process that Ike was last year or the last few years. Ike fans went crazy on Milisanidi. Marinaki is making this big stink, trying to look like a hero, like supposedly Milisanidi, who we Ike fans, and I dare any fan from any other club, Panathinaikos, Olympiacos, whatever other club you represent, go look at some of the refereeing decisions in Ike games and tell me that Ike has Apple. Tell me that Ike has Apple in the first match in Dumba of these playoffs where we still don't know why the referee uh, canceled one of our goals. And, and um, uh, supposedly Milisanidi has it, Bennett is in his back pocket. This is all propaganda because Marinakis and the front office of Olivecos screwed up so big. They're trying to salvage whatever they can. They're trying to salvage European football, because they know financially they're going to have a hard time next year without having some type of European football. And the way Olympiacos look right now, this is only the beginning. Now, Olympiacos have a great name in Europe. They have, uh, what do you call it? They have great players. They could easily turn it around. I mean, this is the Greek Super League. I mean, look at Ike, for example. If Ike could turn it around, Olympiacos could definitely, with their budget, turn things around in a season. But I think the problem could possibly get worse and worse and worse than them. That's their, that's, that's their dulia. But I think this whole thing is ridiculous. Uh, even on the Mandalos goal, I get that Remchuk and, oh, let me go back to the penalty. Remchuk and Pas, Pascalakis, and honestly, Pascalakis was the best player for Libacos on the pitch. I mean, he saved Libacos from a, from a difficult loss on Sunday, honestly. Pascalakis and Emchuk did not complain about the penalty. That should tell you something. All players complain if they think they've been wronged somehow. Remchuk just threw his hands up. He knew it was his fault. He knew it was, it was a boneheaded play, guys. If you're Remchuk, you went that hard on Vida, who was found himself somehow in a center forward position, and you took down Vida out of all players at an angle where Pascalaki had him covered, and you 
Vita does not have that type of skill, I, I personally think, to where he was going to score from there. I mean, that's your own boneheaded defender's play. This doesn't have anything to do with Milisanidi. This doesn't have anything to do with the, with the, um, with the, um, the soft penalty. And I get it. The penalty was soft. But let's all be honest. From the product that we saw on the pitch Sunday, should another team have won besides Ike? Now I get it. Again, this is why we love football. Because the best team doesn't always win. The underdog has a chance in football. Not to say that you better start another dog again. I'm not trying to demean them. But what what's fair what's fair is fair. You know what I mean? Like I it was his boneheaded play. Anyway, that's all I'm gonna say about that. Due to time constraints and, you know, not uh sitting here blabbering on about it. I'm sure you guys have all heard all the hoopla back home in Greece. Those of you that are Greek speakers that live in Greece, that listen to the radio like I do. Um, it, it was a, it, it, a massive, massive victory. Um, the whole team just played well. And Mandalo's goal at the end, oh my gosh, that was like the cherry on top. That, um, no player deserved it more because of all the crap that he's taken over the past few years with Ike. All the crap that he's taken, that he's suffered in games like this against Olibakos where Ike underperformed and didn't play well. He just, it was just a show of class. It was such a wonderful finish. I mean, it was beautiful. It was spectacular. When I came home, when I saw someone actually post it on, uh, on social media and I got to see the goal afterwards, it, like, hands down. And he got a standing ovation, uh, the other day or got, you know, an ovation at, um, at, uh, I guess Sofia against Balk when he came in off the bench in the Balk match. But um, what a great victory. What a great win for Ike to um, get those three points in in Pedas to exercise yet that demon. Ike are exercising demons this year. It's just so phenomenally great to see this product that Almeida and that Ike are putting forth and the, the labors and the fruits that Almeida's work and this team is honestly producing this year. It's just beautiful. All right, so let's move on to the pop match fairly quickly. Not much to say in this match. Ike went 4-0. Lutescu's worst loss in the Greek Super League. Um, dominant performance from start to finish. Yes, the red card helped Ike. I did feel like the red card was oh, a little soft. Um... I could have scored a lot more goals. They missed so many opportunities. Um, I didn't understand Luchescu's formation. I didn't understand why the past two games that we've played back, we've played in uh, Dumba. He played a little more reserved. He pressed up high, but he didn't play from the back simply because in the first game, they could have gotten smashed even more where they gave up silly goals because Ike were able to, to press up high in that pressing style that Amida likes to play caused havoc in Falk's defense and they were doing it again before the first goal I literally was getting ready to tweet out like what is Pauk doing why is Luchescu persisting on playing from the back that's their problem I don't understand why he did it maybe it's a way of saying okay I'm going to show them that I'm playing this way that way I could set up for the cup final to play a different way to kind of throw Ike off because right now as we're speaking not to say that Pauk don't have quality and in a one-game cup match that they can't beat us, 
But right now, I mean, even in the game they did beat us 2-0. Yes, it's a scoreline of 2-0, but we all know the story. We all know the opportunities that I missed and the silly goals that I let in that match. The only way I could see Falk beating Ike in the final is if basically just like that match, Ike beat themselves. Um, the cup final today, I think was finalized. I don't know, man. I don't know when this cup final is going to be played and where it's going to be played. But it was finalized, I think, for May 24th. I have Volos with under 10,000 fans there. Only fans with an invitation get to go. It's it's sad. It's sad to see the state of Greek football that violence, fan violence is such a big issue. Uh, you know, it's not all about fan violence because not to state the obvious and those of you that have followed Greek football for a long time understand where I'm coming from, but it's not just fan violence. It's the fact that the government, the city, the people that run Greek football can't get their S together to have a cup final. Uh, it's very, very sad because it wasn't always this way. Even when, when things were bad in the 90s, like you still saw traveling fans in Derby games. You still saw uh, fans of both teams, massive crowds at cup finals. I don't know what's happened to the past 15 years, 20 years, where we've become like the Turkish league where traveling fans are banned. Um, it. And we can't even have a cup final, guys. Like This is just a sad, sad event for Greek football. Um, but anyway, but that's, <clears throat> that's what, um, the, that's the latest on that. Again, stay tuned to all your media outlets. Uh, things could change. This is Greek football we're talking about. Um, Simonski, oh yeah, something I didn't mention about in this match and in the last match. You guys know all season we've been talking about, or for the past few months at least, we've been talking about, you know, Almeida's wanting to play with two defensive midfielders and how it kind of has been driving us crazy. Well, I don't know what it is. The past couple matches against Libekos and against Balk, he hasn't done that. He has started either Jonsson or Simonski and uh, started a, a more attacking lineup maybe he trusts his players more maybe it's like you know we need to go for it so I need to loosen up the chains a little bit um I don't know what it is but you know it's working it's working well Simonski was able to fully rest and I don't know if this was because to give him rest before the Panathinaikos match so he can be very fresh and ready to go for the Derby in Lafotos or if this was maybe to protect him because he has picked up some yellow cards in the playoffs, maybe he picks up another yellow card, he wouldn't have been able to play in the derby. Um, I don't know, but it worked out great. Um, I don't think he stepped onto the pitch at all, if I'm mistaken. Rota has looked a little shaky, he's looked a little out of form, and I have to give credit where credit's due. Costandellas, phenomenal player. Uh, my strategy that I would have taken if I was Lutescu, keep feeding this kid the ball. Because he makes, excuse me, he both times, he both in the game in Tumba where he had a great game where they beat us and even yesterday a couple of times where he was able to get his hands or his head on the ball, uh, just toyed with Rota. There's no other word. Rota, who was normally very fast, could not keep up with him. Uh, he was able to get away a couple times. I would have tried that strategy. Well, let me just try to feed this 
young phenom that I have over here. Got to give credit where credit's due, guys, uh, even though he's a power player. Um, great confidence boost for the club going into this, finding this stride, this form, to have beaten Bauk, to have scored in two derbies with Olympiacos and Bauk, two teams that we've struggled so much with the past few years, to be able to beat them 7-1, to one, essentially, you know, scoring seven goals and only conceding one, one really stupid goal. Uh, it's phenomenal to go into this derby. Now, I'm going to segue a little bit to talk about the, the derby coming up against Panathinaikos. For me, this has been the biggest Ike Panathinaikos match in, I would say, at minimum 25 years, close to 30 years. I would say the last time both teams were going head-to-head this card in the league was 1996. Two phenomenal teams, Ike from an Ike perspective and from a, a, a Greek pundit's perspective, even though I've heard some Panathinaikos reporters talk about how Ike were a better team that year, uh, even though Panathinaikos in 1996 made it all the way to the Champions League semifinals and eventually lost to Ajax in the semifinal. Um, they met up late in the season for a match like this. Not quite of this magnitude. I can't even remember the last time. Actually, the last time we met another team of this type of magnitude where the title was on the line was Olympiacos sometime in the mid-2000s or early 2000s uh, where we lost the title on goal difference. We tied with Olympiacos, but we lost the title on goal difference. I don't remember exactly what year it was. I think it was 2002, if memory serves me correct. But as far with Panathinaikos, and I don't even remember, I was really, really trying to remember in the back of my head, when's the last time we even played a cup final with with Panathinaikos? And it's been a very long time. So this rivalry has not been so heated the past few years. Maybe for some of you that live in Greece, obviously you feel the rivalry more than people abroad, like myself, even though... My brother, for example, is a Panathinaikos fan, and I have a lot of Panathinaikos fans in my family. Um, but it hasn't been this heated, and this this game is just going to be massive. The biggest Athenian derby, like I said, in 30 years. Uh, biggest key to this game for Ike, and not to sound so football cliche or obvious, but whoever scores first, that's going to be very, very massive because Panathinaikos are such a good defensive team that they're going to clamp down defensively. And they're the one thing that Panathinaikos has this year is their defense. They're very, very hard to score on, no matter how good you are offensively. Now, I have the firepower to, in a split second, and they have so many players that can hurt you, they can score on you. They proved that yesterday and on Sunday against Olympiacos in a we're riding high on confidence, which is very good. You don't want to be limping into this match. Um, but also, Panathinaikos have perfected. They counter, I think, better than any, even I, even better than Ike. They counter better than anyone else in the league because they know that's a very strong weapon because they have such a hard time of scoring goals. They have really worked on how well they counter. Um, so it's going to be a very difficult uh, match for whichever team scores first. If Ike score first, 
Panathinaikos are going to have to move their lines up to try to tie, and I think Ike can hit them just as well on the counter. That's going to open up Panathinaikos' defense. Uh, if Ike score first, honestly, I see this being like a 2-0 victory for Ike. Um, if Panathinaikos score first, I don't know. I don't know which way this match is going to go. Now, I've heard a lot of stuff on the radio this morning about the referees that were chosen for this match. We're already starting to get into that, which I totally understand that. I understand we have to pay attention to that in Greek football because we don't know what the heck's going on behind the scenes. Um, I'm just excited. I'm nervously excited. As I tweeted out yesterday after the match, this is going to be one where get your medication ready, get your adult beverage, get something to kind of calm the nerves. I already warned my wife that, you know, our baby's going to be sleeping at the time here, U.S. time while this game's going on. And I already warned her, go be with him. Leave me alone. You're going to hear screaming. You're going to hear shouting. I might not be in a very good mood afterwards, or I might be in a very good mood. For me, I wouldn't say the title is decided on Sunday, but I would say the team that wins this match have started to clinch the trophy. I would, if you were to ask me a percentage, I would say about 90% that whichever team wins uh, Sunday will win the title. Now there's still three games after that. Um, so that's big. You know, even if Ike win, if Ike win, if Ike or Panathinaikos win, let's put it that way. If Ike win, um, you can afford to mess up somewhere. You can afford to lose match. Even tie a match, all you have to do is win one out of three games to basically win the title. Um, I think if my math and, <coughs> excuse me guys, and tiebreaker is correct, I think that's what you would have to happen. Um, if Panathinaikos win, then it's more or less if Panathinaikos win, I wouldn't even say it's 95% the title is done. Because I think that the form that the other teams are in, yes, I, as much as I'd like to believe that Pauk and Olympiacos would not lay over against Panathinaikos, the form that they're in, I don't know how Panathinaikos drops the points needed for Ike to make up ground to surpass Panathinaikos, because at that point, they would still have the tiebreaker. Now, a tie wouldn't be the best thing in the world. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because it still puts pressure on both teams. Both teams cannot afford to even drop a point to win the title. I mean, this could be a, a, a day where we finally get uh, where a title is decided on the last match day, you know. <clears throat> but I think this match, whoever wins, your hands are on the trophy. Now, I'm not going to celebrate as we won the title. I'm going to celebrate and say we beat Panathinaikos. We're ahead. Fingers crossed. Maybe the end of next weekend we can be celebrating a title. But we shall see, you know. I would like to think, you know, uh, let's talk about just really briefly and I'll let you guys go. So after this match, I have Olympiacos on Wednesday in Philadelphia, which can be a tricky match because we know Olympiacos for its rivals is, is not going to roll over. Even I have talked about this and mocked this on, on Twitter, so I don't want anybody to kill me being... <laughs> Just trying to make me out to be a hypocrite, but for their at least their fan base, I don't think Olympiacos would roll over and say, let Panathinaikos beat us so Ike don't get the championship. As an Ike fan, and I've said this before in this podcast, if Ike don't win the championship, I don't really care who wins the championship. Now, have there been years where I've been like, you know, Olympiacos has won three or four championships or five championships in a row? <laughs> 
it'd be nice to see another team win a title. Yeah. But not that I would say all in all, right? Like, I'm going to be cheering for Panathinaikos to win the championship. or And I feel like Olympiakos is an organization and his fans probably don't want that either. Balco probably the same way. So Panathinaikos do have the tougher schedule. And I'm going to make this prediction right now. If I win Sunday, I think we win the title before the last match day. I mean, we would technically clinch it if we win the last two matches, the next two matches after against Olympiakos and against Aris. Um, but I think Panathinaikos get rattled and then they drop points either against Olympiakos or against Pauk, my opinion. Um, but anyway, guys, Forza, I gotta try to stay calm. Hopefully it'll be a nice, exciting ending to a week. I mean, how sweet would it be if we beat all three of our biggest rivals in one week, starting with Olympiakos and Pedas, Pauk at home, thrashing them 4-0, could have easily been 6 or 7 nil and then if we are able to get this deadby win in Los Foros and take charge of the league this team deserves it they've played the best football in Greece Forza Ekara and I promise I won't take this long next week to come out with a podcast fingers crossed I will record now this will be U.S. time so if you're listening to this in Greece um it probably you probably won't hear it until the morning time but U.S. local time I'll probably record Sunday night, uh, regardless of what the result is, either to vent my frustration on how the the match went, you know, to rant about the officiating, or hopefully, fingers crossed, to celebrate another Ike victory. Forza, gotta have a good weekend, guys. Get the next time I